0: to hear the good words of what Christ is planning for us. We've been going through this theme over the last five weeks. He's coming and he can't be stopped. And the Bible also tells, not only did he come, and we saw that at Christmas, but he's coming again. And this time when he comes, he puts an end to this mess, that, and, and to this enemy called Satan. And you're going to see that today. My hope is this, that you leave here different than what you came in. I don't know, maybe you walked in here, you're watching the lions get beat late last night. I don't know, maybe... I, I was rooting for them, and my wife was too. She's from the Michigan area. She's from uh, Troy, Michigan. You know, it's a suburb of Detroit. So she owns some Detroit Lions, a Joey Harrington uh, jersey. So I was hoping that the Lions would win. Obviously, they didn't. But that's just, that's a game of football. But Scripture tells us there's going to be a battle, and we are guaranteed to win. Wouldn't it be awesome if the team you rooted for every week was guaranteed to win? Wouldn't it be great if the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl? I'm just saying, that'd be awesome for me. I'm a Redskin fan, but I, I'm a biased Tim Tebow fan. That would just rock the world of Tim Tebow and, and the Broncos won the, the, the Super Bowl. Just telling, them, that's how I feel. But, so if you like the Steelers, I'm sorry about that. But um, it's okay. I don't have anything against the Steelers. I just like Tim Tebow, okay? And uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. But if you, if you want to, Redskins have been so long since they've been in the playoffs. I you know, got to root for somebody, um, but the Bible tells us that we're going to win. And sometimes we live this life as if we're not on the winning team. And I'd be quite honest with you, if you allowed that, that could really uh, take that step in life where you didn't believe that. It could just really frustrate and you'd give up and every little thing came your way. It would just, it would just dig into this deep hole of depression. But I choose not to live there. Thinking about winning and losing, there are just certain things and certain teams and individuals and people along the way, if you're really honest with yourself, that there's there's sometimes you watch and you just, it's so good to see that person lose. I know you never think those things as Christians, but there are times that we think, man, it's so good to see them lose. It's so good to see that team lose, even if it makes it feel better if your team loses and you know that team lost too. It's like, that's a win. And somehow it's a win. But scripture tells us, I'm sure you've never thought those thoughts. So I'll ask for forgiveness. I'm the only guy that thinks that way. But Bible tells us that there's a great battle out there. And we're on the winning team. And there's an enemy called Satan who has just wreaked havoc for way too long. And uh, Bible says this, Jesus, not only did he come, he's coming again. And he's gonna put an end to him. And we're gonna be there witnessing this. And when I am witnessing this, we're gonna see today, We get to join in on that. And I don't know what that does for you. And quite frank, I know what it does for me. So if it doesn't do anything for you, that's okay. I'll take what it's supposed to do for you for me because it's amazing. It really is. So grab your Bibles today and and hold your hand up if you need a Bible and turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Please turn there. These words are just powerful words. He's coming to get us not only did he come already but he's coming again and he's going to finish what he started and he's going to put an end to this life as we know it with satan with sin and depression and and trials and struggles and frustrations and and all those things that come with that he's going to put an end to it turn to first thessalonians chapter 4 and we're going to read verses 16 to 18 first thessalonians 4 verses 16 through 18 When you find that stand, let's read this together. These are great words to begin uh, the month of January with. And let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. Would you read it with me together? Ready? Read. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, after that, we are still alive or left. We'll be called up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. You may have a seat. So there it is. There's this picture that uh, for the Lord himself, look again, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's supposed to mean those who have already passed on. Sometimes I wonder if it isn't those who are just kind of walking around dead. They're dead in Christ. Like, praise God, hallelujah, what you got? I mean, this is, this is a body that's in the ground. This is a, a body that was left behind where the soul is already there. It says there's gonna be this thing called the rapture. And the dead in Christ, the bodies of all those bodies that have had the souls that knew Jesus, have ushered on their bodies and, and their body members parts will join them in, in heaven. And then it says, after that, we who are still alive, who call ourselves Christ's fathers, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so that we can be with the Lord forever. And then Paul says this: Therefore, encourage each other with these words. When's the last time you encouraged someone with these words? Well, today I'm going to encourage you with those words. There's this true that comes out of this passage, truth that just really is, just should bring life, should just inject something into your veins today that says, we got hope that Jesus is coming again and he's coming to get us and he's taking us to be with him and we'll spend eternity with him. It'll happen in an event called the rapture. It could happen today. My hope is that that Jesus comes soon. And they have all kinds of people who try to predict his coming, trying to predict the first part of this this thing called eschatology, future events where the rapture occurs. And a lot of people trying to predict it. The Bible tells us that only God himself knows that. So when you get into all these things of trying to predict, you're, you're on ground that you have no idea. But I do believe that Christ could come back at any time to rapture us out of here. So what will that look like? It's a picture that takes place where Christ followers, wherever you're at, there's this cataclysmic event where if you know Christ, immediately in the twinkling of eye, 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, we'll be out of here and everything on earth changes. But there will be those left behind who think they're Christ followers, who will... Walk into this period called the tribulation because they thought they were followers of Christ, but they'll be left behind and they will experience literally hell on earth. What will that event look like? Many people tried to grab it and show you what it might look like, but here's a rendition of what it might look like the rapture. Watch this Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... Is is this? Are you ready? If Christ came during this service, are you certain that you have a life saving relationship with Jesus Christ? Is there no doubt in your mind that if the rapture occurred, at this moment, that you would be ushered out of here and will meet God in the air and all the bodies of those who have already died who knew Jesus will meet their soul or will you be left behind like some of those will? I want to speak today to those of us who are going to meet God in the air, who are going to spend eternity, who are on the winning team. And I'm also going to speak to those of you who think you're on the winning team, who think that you have it all planned out, who think they have a, 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 this, this, this relationship with God worked out, and when in reality you don't and you will be left behind. 1 Thessalonians said it's going to happen. Rapture is going to occur. We have this cataclysmic event in, called the rapture. And what happens is this. We have this thing called the church age. That's us. And when we look at this timeline of events, we have seen this timeline of events. And we walk through the beginning of time when Satan was thrown out of heaven with his demons. And one third of the angels became demonic Demons that serve him because he sinned. And we saw the creation of time. We've walked through that. Then we saw how Christ was coming and he can't be stopped. And then we saw Christmas when he came. And then we talked about he lived and, and he died and he was resurrected. And then Rich talked about God left the Holy Spirit with us. And now we're talking about the next thing on the timeline is the rapture. The rapture could happen today. It could happen before this service was over. The next thing is the rapture. And when the rapture occurs, at that moment, there will be a leader that will come on the scene. And he's called the Antichrist. Is he alive today? I believe he probably is well alive today. I believe that Christ and the rapture and his return could happen in my lifetime. and could happen in your lifetime. At the end of this time, at the end of this church age, the rapture occurs. And then there's this period of tribulation. Seven years and during that time, the Antichrist services. He's well-known. Becomes a leader. He's charismatic. The Bible tells it. He's attractive. It says that, that, he's, that he's a cunning leader. He's a cruel leader. And most likely alive today. And he will be limited providentially by what he can do. And he also has two cohorts that work with him. He has the beast. And he has the false prophet who served with him, who tried to, to, to figuratively demonstrate the three one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We got Satan, we got the beast, and the prophet. And so there's this picture where he's trying to mock God. And let me tell you, that rapture could occur at any time. During this time, meanwhile, those of us who have been rescued will be with Jesus. Ruling in heaven for seven years. But there will be a few that are left behind. There will be many that are left behind. And they have a choice to make when they're left behind. You saw in this, this demonstration that was given in this video, they saw some fall to their knees. I'm not certain that will happen. I'm not certain that people will get it. I'm sure there will be a deception that that's Satan and, and the Antichrist and the, the false prophet and the beast will somehow say, hey, they, they just left. And they'll bring this big delusion Scripture talks about. But I do know this. We can prepare people for that day. I mean, all of you have had conversations with relatives, with people that you know, that you love. And you're saying, man, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to be left behind. And so even me, I try to be proactive about that, obviously, by sharing my faith, and so have you. But even on my, my YouTube site that I have, I've put a post that's, that keywords like rapture, end times, tribulation period, antichrist. And so if someone goes searching on the internet and throws that up, there's, I've given this six-minute message to people who are left behind so that maybe someone would find it and it would be awesome if they could and they came to a saving knowledge of Christ. How are you being proactive about that even today and for the future? So much more to be said at a later time, but for time's sake today, the rapture occurs. And after that, there's a seven year period of time called the tribulation. And Jesus is coming. He's coming again and he's going to put an end the hero is here, his feet are on the ground. And you know what he says he's going to do at the end of this, this seven year, he's going to come back and he's going to wipe out Satan once and for all and for good and forever. Anybody excited about that, by the way, once and for all and for good and forever. He says enough of this. And he puts Satan literally out. John paints that picture for us in the book of Revelation. John is lying on this island and he's having this vision before God and God is giving him all these things. He says, write John, write. And so he's writing these future events. And if you look at the book of Revelation, you'll see all through it, John is given these, these figurative things that look like, he's given some literal time events that are going to happen. And so our discourse today will show you at the rapture at the end, of the rapture and then the end of the tribulation, there's this period of time where this all-out war takes place, an all-out battle, and it's called the battle of Armageddon. You've heard the word, you've watched the movie, but the word of God gives clear evidence that it's going to happen, and it's when Christ comes back, and we're going to look at it, and he's going to put an end to Satan. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 19. The battle is called the battle of Armageddon. Just a little review. Us today. We're the church age. We're alive and well. We're sitting at Grace Community Church. The next event on the timeline. Rapture. Those of us who know Christ will be raptured out. All the bodies in the graves where the souls are already with God, their bodies will meet their souls and they'll get a new body and be in a redemptive state in heaven, raptured. Next period of time, seven years of tribulation. The first three and a half are, are horrible. The second three and a half are worse. And at the end of the tribulation, next event on the timeline is the battle of Armageddon. This is where the war of wars takes place. Look at Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. Look what it says. John says, I saw heaven standing what? What's your Bible say? Open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes what? War. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in what? Let me tell you, by the way, this isn't a peace rally. This is a war, all-out war, led by Jesus himself. Verse 13, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. What's it say? Read it with me. King of kings and Lord of lords. And I don't want to say, dude, Jesus is coming. And he's coming back with vengeance. And he's going to put an end to Satan and his plan once and for all. By the way, this is not flannel graph Jesus from your Sunday school days. This is not Christmas pageant Jesus with a white flowing robe where he's standing there and he's smiling. This is not the picture of a way in a manger Jesus, but a savior dripping in blood riding with the armies of heaven on horses makes me want to go and jump on a horse. That's what it does. Makes me want to spend some time with a jockey so I can be right out in front. The picture is this. You and I will be climbing and riding behind Jesus Christ with the armies and the angels of heaven. The closest I can get today, I get on an iron horse called a Harley Davidson. Maybe it would just be Harley Davidson. That would be awesome. But the picture is this. We're following Jesus and there's this sword coming out of his mouth and he has the fury in his eyes, His fire in his eyes, and he wants to put an end. He says, I'm back and you're done, Satan. This is a good day for those of us who know Jesus Christ. Plus, just a little sidebar. That seven-year period of time, like during the tribulation, when those of us who know Christ, I'm hanging out with jockeys in heaven. Just telling you, I'm just telling you that all those who know Jesus, teach me how to ride, baby. Show me the fastest horse. What do I need? I want to be right up front, catching it all, watching it happen unfold. This is not a picture of a defeated bride, like some of us live in our nine-to-five. Sometimes I see Christ followers, and I say, "Man, you live as though you're defeated." Don't you know who you are? And sometimes I just have to open this up and read, this is who we are. This is what's going to happen. Now, seriously, when you think about whatever you're facing in life, and I'm not trying to downplay how hard life can be, what is the worst outcome? Death. What comes after you if you know Christ after death? Jesus. Is that also bad? It just isn't. You see, we get a hold of this thing called life and we hold on so desperately and we want us, everything to be so good. Church, listen to me, this is only temporary. There's going to come a day we'll have a new body redeemed and we're walking with Jesus. No sin, no tears, no mourning. Look towards that. That's what scripture tells us. Sometimes the church just looks so defeated. I look at them and say, man, you don't look like a Christ follower who knows he's on the winning team. You live as though you've been defeated. This isn't a picture of a persecuted bride. This isn't a picture of a defenseless group, but a redeemed group of people ready to get some honking revenge and I want to be part of it. That's the picture here. A group ready to put an end to Satan and his demons. After all the hardship and all the lies and all the schemes and all the ways he's won, it's our chance to say, We win, big boy. You're done. That's the picture that's here. Listen, if this doesn't juice you up on any level, then you're half dead today. I'm serious. This is great news for us. Let me pause for a second and remind you of something. There will come a day when you will get ultimate revenge. There will come a day. Church, listen to me today. I don't know what you're facing. I have ideas. I know what many of you are. There will come a day when you'll get revenge. There will come a day... When you'll get revenge on this sick, nasty enemy of yours, his end will happen, scripture says. And you will be there to witness it firsthand. You'll be right out in front, watching the end to this, joining the ranks of heaven. Any takers out there? Any takers? We're part of that. We get to be part of that. Then John paints his picture. He paints his picture, we're coming, we're coming. It's like Jesus is out in front. And that horse is taken away. He's got a sword in his mouth, fury in his eyes. He's ready to take revenge. And we're coming back to, we're one of two. We want a little bit of this action. And then John says this in verse 17. He says, and I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. Come gather together. Come gather together for the great supper of God. Believe me, this isn't your typical supper. This isn't like we're going to go to Chick-fil-A on Saturday night. This is the supper of God, it's called. And then he says this, so that, he's talking to the birds, we want you to come so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slaves, small and great. And that's the casualties of Satan's cohorts. Listen, there won't be any casualties for followers of God. So this is pictures, these birds are flying. Hey, dude, hey, bird, come here. Eat the flesh. Hey, bird, eat the flesh. Hey, bird, eat the flesh. And we're going to watch our enemies, all the cohorts of Satan being whipped and literally the flesh being eaten off of their bones. Then John says this in verse 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings on the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshiped his image. Pause. During this time, during the tribulation, there would be many people who will be deceived. The beast and the false prophet tries to pull more on Satan's side, and so they say, "Hey, if you if you take this mark, we'll feed you. Hey, if you take this mark, we'll give you medicine. Hey, if you take the mark of the beast six six six, then we can help you out." They deceive them to take this mark on the, the 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 on the forehead and on the palm of their hand. They take it, thinking that they're getting help. And once you take the mark, you are one of Satan's children forever, and you will die. So they deceived many, and the picture is. We see those guys that caused people to be deceived during the seven years of tribulation. But it says this, but the beast was captured and with him the false prophet. And if you read on with me, the two of them, look. read on in verse, follow down. He had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshiped his enemy. The two of them were thrown alive into the, the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them, the armies, were killed with the sword. And they came out of the, came out of the mouth of the rider of the horse. And the rider of the horse was who? Who is it? Jesus. And it says, all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not a pretty sight, by the way. Or like, just, they just gorged on them, just like they had too much. Well, you want a bite? Yeah, I got a bite. You got any left over? I'm, I'm stuffed. You have these big birds caning fly walking away, just full of flesh, of defeated enemy. By the way, we're not part of that. But the beast and the false prophet Two-thirds of the mock trinity, evil trinity, thrown into the fiery sulfur for the rest of their life, the lake of fire. So there's this picture. It's called the Supper of God. By the way, it's not a kind of supper that you want to invite someone to, to eat. You go to observe. The beast and the false prophet are tossed into the lake of fire. And in verse 21, it says, the rest of them are killed with a sword. This was all out war. This is Jesus finally saying, hey, not only did I come, but I'm coming again the second time and I'm putting it into this stuff. By the way, in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 20, there's reference to this battle called Armageddon. And then John gives a a future look. He said that when this battle takes place, there will be 200 miles of blood, a river of blood flowing. Be so many people wiped out. If you're a Civil War buff and you've had any Civil War background and you know that Antietam Battlefield is 10 minutes from Hagerstown, Maryland. My sister lives five minutes from the Antietam Battlefield. And so from time to time we travel to Antietam Battlefield and one of the, the worst, bloodiest wars ever fought during Civil War was what happened at Antietam in a place called Bloody Lane. And if you go there today, there's this lane literally. They tell us from the past, and there's pictures that there were so many killed, so many soldiers killed that they were piled up. That literally the blood flowed down this lane, and it just moved the soldiers through it. Bible says there's going to be a, a river of blood, 200 miles long, coming up to the girth of a horse's, and literally it'll be flowing from this battle called Armageddon. It'll be a war of wars like we've never seen. But listen to me, we're on the winning side. We won't have any casualties. Satan then, what happens to him? Look at chapter, where's he at? How come he hasn't been tossed? What's going on? Where, where, where? I thought he said he's gonna be defeated, Jim. Look at Revelation chapter 20 and verse one. Then John said this, and I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss and holding in his hand, what he holding his hand, what is it? Great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the what? Devil or Satan? and bound him for how long? Let's say, thousand years. Yeah, Hallelujah, I agree, Wayne. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a very, very, very short time. So picture this. Okay, back up. Right now, church age. Rapture occurs. Seven years of tribulation. Battle of Armageddon. Next thing on timeline is called the millennial kingdom. Thousand years of reign. What that means. Now, this is an interesting time, by the way. Those of us who've been raptured out, We'll automatically go to heaven. We'll have out-of-this-world kind of capability with our bodies. We'll be able to walk through walls. We'll be as he is in 1 John 3, 2, it says. We'll be able to just blip ourselves back and forth. There will be people during the seven years of tribulation that find Christ. Very few of them, by the way that actually make it through the tribulation period. They'll jump over and they'll be alive during this thousand-year reign called the millennial reign. They'll have physical bodies. They'll have physical flesh. They will be born again. We'll join them. We'll have out-of-this-world capabilities. And so you have those of us who are redeemed followers along with those who haven't gotten a redeemed state yet, physical bodies saved, and then you'll have those who got saved during the seven years of tribulation, walked their way through, started out as believers, they'll have children and they'll have children and they'll have children and not all those children become Christ followers. So literally during this time, you'll have redeemed people and out of this world capabilities. Hey, you want to go to Jim's house? Yeah, they're there. Then you'll have flesh people who got to walk, who are saved. And then you'll have flesh people who are unsaved during that time thousand years is a long time, very long time. Meanwhile, God is rolling during this time. And during this time, Satan is chained up. Just picture him, by the way. It's awesome. Chained up, but he's getting angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier because he wants out. And he's in this abyss with, with the home of demons. And he's, he's devising a plan And he wants out, he wants out because if he gets out, he wants to wreak havoc on God's people again. But there's good news, church. He doesn't get his way. But there is a battle. The enemy is gonna be defeated for good. Look at Revelation chapter 20 and verse seven. Okay, Satan is gonna be released after the thousand years. Look what happens in Revelation chapter 20 and verse seven. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. And he will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. By the way, let me just give you a little sidebar here too. I I, I don't say this in a disrespectful way. But there's so much discussion in our world today that somehow we're going to do something. We're going to burn a hole in the earth and we're going to destroy this earth. Let me just tell you what scripture tells me. When I read Scripture, here's what Scripture says. It says this: Not only are we going to live on this earth, there's going to be seven years of tribulation, but we got another thousand years with this thing. So we're not going to destroy this earth. The reason the earth's going to get destroyed, I'm going to show you, because God chooses to make a new one. So just a little sidebar there. No disrespect to people, but just telling you the truth. Okay, and that's the way it is. So if someone tells me, I'd say you're full hot air. This is what the Bible says. Okay, we'll go back here. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 7. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. And he will go out and deceive the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog. Literally, he goes out and gathers all the people who were alive. Some people say, well, where's all these evil people if we beat them all at Armageddon? Where, what happened there? Well, a thousand years, there were more people who aren't Christ followers, who make it through the millennium, who now are anti-God. He gathers all them, and he gathers some of his former demons for battle. And look what it says. In number, they're like the sand on the seashore. In other words, there's millions of them. And so his plan is, he's been angry a thousand years. Can you imagine him? Well, I'm going to get back, and I'm going to win. They march across the breadth of the earth. That's still here, by the way. I just told you about. And surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. He loves. One of my favorite butts, B-U-T, in the Bible it was this one, not B-U-T-T. My favorite butts is this. Look what happens next. Well, my wife's will be my favorite butt, but I better stop there. <laughs> Anyhow, that's just the truth. I'm just being honest. I don't know how I got there. I better go back here. <laughs> but it says, "Wow." But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. I love that picture. Satan's got all his cohorts. He's been angry. He's upset. I'm going to get back. I'm going to give him one last shot. And so they're gathered. They're, they're surrounding us. Literally, it says, they're surrounded the breath of the earth. And we're looking around and saying, "Woo! look at all that. And then it says, out of nowhere, fire from heaven came down and just Phew! If there isn't an applause in that moment, you you want to see some applause? Woo, we're going to be saying, yeah. But then watch what happens. Not only that, it says this, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. And they, including him, will be tormented day and night for how long? Ever and ever and ever. Yeah, can we hear a hallelujah about that, huh? Defeat it. That's what is the the picture for Satan. And you know who gets to see all this? We do. Just picture this nasty angry enemy who's disrupted and who's divided, and who has destroyed family after family and business after business and person after person finally getting his due. It'll be a day that we will be so glad that we're on the winning team and someone finally shut him up. And forever and ever and ever and ever he'll be tormented. Never to die by the way, eternal torment. There's a view out there amongst people that, That annihilation is somehow we die and that's it. No, I believe from the word of God that forever means forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And Satan will be burning forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. ever. After that, okay, church age, rapture, seven years tribulation, battle of Armageddon, thousand year millennial reign. At the end of that, Satan is tossed as is... Every evil being alive into the lake of burning sulfur destroyed. After that begins the new heaven and the new earth. New heaven and new earth right after that. Look at John giving us a picture of that. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1. Then John said this. Then is when I saw a new heaven and what? A new earth. Now listen, there's your evidence. The new earth doesn't come t- till after God himself allows us to live on it for a thousand years. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Not because of global warming or an aerosol can, okay? And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. God is with us physically. Not that he isn't physically. He's living in us. He's around us. He's with us. But he will be in a physical form as we are. And we will what with him? Live with him. That's awesome. Maybe it isn't for you, but it is for me. Then it says this. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And then it says this in verse four. Let me give you this good news today. It says this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There would be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Can I hear an amen about that? No more. That's what it says. No more. Then John says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new, everything new. Then he said, write this down, John, for these words are trustworthy and true. Write these down so you can hear it today at Grace Community Church. Then he wrote this down. He said to me, it is done. (laughs) In other words, I did what I said I was going to do. I'm coming back and I can't be stopped. And I'm taking, I'm being the hero and I'm getting rid of the villain, the enemy called Satan. And he says, write this down. I am the alpha and the omega. In other words, I was here in the beginning. And I'm here, the only one standing at the end. The beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. Church, that's those of us who know Jesus Christ. And I will be his God and he will be my son. No more sickness. No more confusion. No more arguments. No more misunderstandings. No more sickness, no more hurting knees, no more job loss, no more unemployment, no more divorce, no more, no more, no more everything new. Church, that's what's going to happen. And John says this, he who overcomes will inherit all this. Jesus is coming and he can't be stopped and he's coming again and now he's coming again. He's gathering us who know him and listen to me, you do not want to be left behind. And the reason you're left behind is because you don't have a life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ and it begins by surrendering. By the way, during our Christmas services, God moved and we saw 60 plus people give their, trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Isn't that awesome? Because that changes this for them today. They're on the winning team they, they don't have no longer fear because they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What's that mean to us right now? It means we need to start living like we're on the winning team. Ask yourself this question. When you hang out wherever you're at, at work, at home, recreation, and you call yourself a Christ follower, do you live as though you're on the winning team? Would a person look at you and say, wow, you're on the winning team. I can tell by the way you live your life. Or does do your actions, do your attitudes, do the way that you, you walk, do the way that you speak, does it, does, it, does it emulate something different? Seriously, we've won. Enough of this living below our redemptive potential. By the way, can I just say this again? What is the worst thing that could happen to you as a Christ follower? Seriously. If you die, what's the next thing after that? It's Jesus, it's eternity. That's good. And sometimes we think it's so bad, and it is, it's difficult. I'm not trying to be uncompassionate here. We're supposed to be compassionate, but sometimes we lose sight of this reality. Even if I will pass, I'm with Jesus. That's great news. It's only to those who don't know Christ that have no hope, but those of us who know Jesus Christ have great hope, and we have a great future, and we're on the winning team. So what does that mean? There is absolutely no reason why you can't blaze a new trail this year. There's no reason why you you, you can't blaze a new trail with your life today other than you choose not to. Can we set aside our excuses for 2012 by by putting aside these things that that we always say, well, I can't do that because of this. I get so fed up with the same excuses from people. Don't you sometimes say, just, listen, I don't want to hear any more excuses. Today is the day, not tomorrow, not soon, not when I get a chance, not I don't have time, not one of these days, but today is the day you reclaim the new you, the new you that's supposed to live to this redemptive potential that Christ created you to live. Get up, get out, swipe the slate clean from the past and just do it. My final word would be this today to encourage you. No one else can be the you that you were made to be. It's not anyone else's responsibility. No more excuses. Don't blame it on your wife. Don't blame it on your husband. Don't blame it on your childhood. Don't blame it on this and don't blame it on that. I can't be you, nor can you be me. Probably you wouldn't want to be me, nor would I want to be you. You can only be you. Can we set aside the excuse to say, I will be the man and the woman that God wants me to be. I'm going to live like I'm on the winning team this year. And it begins with my attitude. Man, that would be amazing. Thank you for the 12 people that believe that. I'm serious. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't know my story. I don't need to know your story. Jesus knows your story. And he said that you won. Can we put away the excuses for 2012? It is time. The Bible is a story of a hero who leaves heaven to rescue us. And his plan is Unstoppable. And the enemy will be defeated. Whether you believe it or not, he will be vanquished once and for all. And we're on the winning team. God, help us today. Help us to believe that, God. God, I pray for this group. I pray that they would live and quit letting Satan deceive them. I pray, God, that this be the year they'd get up, they would get out. And they would live to the redemptive potential that you've created to them to live, because Jesus, we know that Satan will be vanquished. We know that you are king, and we'll be riding some right horses, white horses, behind you to put an end to this misery. In Jesus name Amen.